Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 87, Reaping Wild Turkeys with Jeremy McCarty. And I am your host and the guy who just got completely outfished by his old man this weekend. So I took my dad fishing down to my property south of Birmingham that you hear me talk about from time to time. And he just flat wore me out. We had a great time. I think I brought home 15 bass to clean. And we threw back probably 10 more. And for a half a day of fishing, catching 25 fish was not too bad. And it's a good thing that the fishing is good right now because we are 265 days, 14 hours. 14 minutes and 6 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And I am glad you're with me today. We've got a great show on hand. I'm actually going to talk about a topic finally that I have put off talking about. And before I start talking about it, I'm going to put it off one more time because I want to read a review today. U-Haul Kyle 829 left a review on iTunes. And it was a five-star rating, and he says, Awesome podcast. Andy, your podcasts are informative and very well put together. I drive a lot for work and like to listen on those long drives between cities without radio signal. I'm getting geared up for turkey season, which opens here in Montana this weekend. I have two uncles flying up from Alabama to hunt as well. I hope to impress them with the tips and information gleaned from your show, although they will be doing the calling. I especially like the show on scouting public land and using Google Maps. Good hunting, God bless, and roll tide. You haul Kyle, roll tide. Thank you for the review, and I appreciate you guys taking time to leave reviews for the show on iTunes. It does help other people to be able to find the show, and it is much appreciated. So, I pretty much can't put this off anymore. I have to talk about it now. Today's topic is reaping wild turkeys. And it's a controversial topic within the turkey hunting world because of safety concerns. And then there are the so-called turkey hunting purists who want to call a turkey in within 20 yards and shoot it that way. And that's fine and dandy. Their argument of the fact that reaping turkeys is not sporting doesn't hold water. But before I get into that argument, I want to say... And you'll hear me say this in the interview with Jeremy McCarty, that we are in this sport of hunting together. And as long as 
what we're doing is within the law. We need to stick together. And the people who are out there who say that reaping turkeys is not very sporting, maybe they even go as far as to say it's not ethical, I will tell you that having done it, it is very challenging. And it does not always work. Don't forget we are talking about an animal whose first name is wild. And there's nothing more unpredictable than wild. And that's why we hunt wild turkeys. So the argument of saying that it's not very sporting, it's not very ethical, I just don't put much credence in that. You know, the good thing about this country is that we can agree to disagree. If we're on the highway and the speed limit on that highway is 80 miles an hour and you want to drive 55, then I'm not going to stop you from driving 55. You can drive 55 and if I drive 80 or under, then we're just going to have to learn to tolerate one another. I had a very wise man tell me one time that what makes this world great, what makes this world interesting, is that not every man, not every woman, is just like you. Think about how boring the world would be if everyone were just like you. It may be a safer place. It may be a more dangerous place. It may be a louder place. It may be a quieter place. But think about how boring it would be if everyone were just like you. So, I'm not getting all into the peace and love and kumbaya stuff today. There's no reason to do any of that. But what I'm telling you is, as long as reaping is legal, then there's no reason to pound on somebody's head because of it. And regarding the safety issue, and you guys know that I'm always pushing safety on this show, and that alone is the main reason why I have delayed having this topic covered on a show. But the bottom line is this. Reaping is no different than any other method of turkey hunting in that we have to take in our surroundings and we have to take in the scenario and the situation that we are trying to employ that strategy in. And if the situation is not a safe one, then we have to make the call to either pull out of the situation or to change our strategy and try something different. I will tell you, As unsafe as reaping wild turkeys sounds, it is still much more safe than getting in your vehicle and driving from point A to point B and being two feet away from a vehicle coming the other direction that's going 50, 60, 80 miles an hour. Especially today when everybody's on their phone texting or emailing. So let's look at this topic of reaping wild turkeys or the topic of fanning wild turkeys and let's break it apart and take it for what it is. It is another strategy, it is another method to put into your tool belt and pull out when the right situation arises and it can be a very safe and effective strategy to use to fill a turkey tag. Okay, so I've had my say. I am sure that if you're still listening to me at this point in time, you're ready to hear what Jeremy has to say about reaping and learn a thing or two from Jeremy. So, without further ado, we are going to jump into the interview, and I look forward to seeing you guys on the other side. I'm excited to tell you that I have on the phone with me today Jeremy McCarty, who is with TurkeyReapers.com, and I've got Jeremy on the phone with us to talk to us just about what that URL says, Reaping Turkeys. So, Jeremy, you kind of 
helped get this turkey reaping strategy in the public eye. And so I'm excited to have you on the show today. Tell us, how are you and where are you? Yes, Andy. Thank you so much for uh, giving me this opportunity. No, I'm doing good. and I live in West Des Moines, Iowa. Good deal. Like I said, I'm really glad to have you on the phone with us, and I'm excited to learn a little bit more about reaping turkeys. It is something that I have dabbled in over the past couple of years, and I was hesitant to get into it and try it out just for the safety purposes, safety reasons. You know, I live in Alabama, and we don't have a lot of agricultural fields or open fields like you guys do in Iowa. And so that concern for me of the safety part of reaping was something that really prevented me from doing it. And I happened to be on a hunt in Ohio two years ago and had the opportunity come up and tried it. And it ended up being a successful stalk, I should say. And man, it was exciting. So, you know, it's one of those things, we'll get into the safety part of this in just a little bit, but it's a topic that really is, has sparked some controversy in the turkey hunting world. And so we're going to address some of that as we go into this as well. I don't want to turn a deaf ear to this, but again, I, I feel like this is a strategy that at the right time, at the right place, is something that can really pay off for some people and help fill a tag. So I've got something that I've just started doing. It's called a rapid fire Q&A where I'll run through and ask 30 questions of you just about turkey hunting in general, some your preferences about some things. And if you're game to play along, I will put a timer on you and me and we'll run through these questions. It'll give everybody a quick opportunity to get to know you and we'll see if you can beat the fastest time that we have posted and that is Chris Parrish's time of two minutes and 8.96 seconds. That's pretty fast. <laughs> That's very fast. Very fast. So if you want to play along, we'll jump in this thing and rock and roll with it. Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. All right. Give me a second to get the stopwatch up here and... What I will do, I'm going to start the clock on the first question, and we will try to rip through these as quick as we can. How many full-body turkey mounts do you own? Three. How many turkeys did you kill last year? Seven. Diaphragm, box, pot and peg, or wing bone? Box and diaphragm and slate. Wild, wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? All of the above. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat, with cola or with water? Water. Number of grand slams? One. Make of your shotgun? Remington 870. The make of your favorite turkey shotgun shell? Heavy shot. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? Yes. Have you ever killed a jake? Yes. A 10-minute successful hunt on a 2-year-old bird or a 4-hour long hunt with a clean miss on a 4-year-old bird? 10-minute hunt on a 2-year-old. Favorite camo pattern? Real tree. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Dinner. More or less than 5 strikers in your turkey vest? More. 30-mile-per-hour winds blowing at home the last day of turkey season. Are you hunting or sleeping in? Not hunting. The state you killed your first turkey in? Iowa. state you killed your last turkey in? Iowa. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Run and gun. Rios or Osceolas? Rios. Rios or Easterns? Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. Public land out west or private land in the southeast? Public land out west. Two and three quarter inch, three inch or three and a half inch shells? Two and three quarter. Four, five, six or blended shot? Blended. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Fields. Pump or automatic? Pump. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight, or beads? Beads. Rubber boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Rubber boots. You roost a bird this afternoon and it's pouring rain at daylight. Do you hunt? Yes. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Iowa. 
Oh, man, you were so close. Two minutes, 11.26 seconds. Chris, I've never That's... beat Chris at anything. <laughs> well, i got to tell you, that is pretty strong. In fact, let's see, I believe that's going to put you squarely in the second place position. Yeah, the next closest time we have is Wayne Fears, who is 2 minutes and 13.43 seconds. So and that's pretty dang good. And some of those I knew as we went through them, I knew what the answer was. When I hit fields turkeys or woods turkeys, there was no doubt where you were going with that one. I know sometimes I didn't want to cut you off quite, you know, I was going to say answer it before you got done with but No, that's, that's awesome. No, Chris used to always beat my butt in calling competitions down in Missouri when I used to call, so. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good one. So I can oh, imagine having him beat you in a calling competition. Be for me, I know it'd be really easy. <laughs> he actually actually handcrafted some calls and built some calls for me back in the day. I met him for the first time actually down in Kirksville at a calling competition down there, and I was in intermediates, and he was actually judging, and he built me some calls. Yeah, he's a he's a good guy. I like him yeah. a lot. So, Jeremy, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting. Well, uh, I'll be 40 years old this August. I got into turkey hunting back in 1990. My grandfather, Jerry O'Dell, sent me to a class over at Indian Hills Community College in Centerville, Iowa, and it was just a class on instructional, you know, stuff about turkey hunting, and got really interested, and, you know, before that, my dad and grandfather had actually turkey hunted, but it was a draw in Iowa, and it was really hard to actually get a tag at that time, so I teamed up. My grandpa actually sent a good friend, one of my best buddies, Jared Dudley, and me to this class, and ever since that class, after that class, the following spring, we were out there hunting, and I actually got the first opportunity to harvest my first bird with one of my best friends, Jared, and that bird happened to be a Jake. Later that day, Jared went on to kill a great big gobbler, so you can only imagine, as a young guy, you know, I, I was instantly hooked. And I think I said 1990, I think it was actually 1980 seven when that was the exact date when we went to that class okay. my first bird was the spring of 88 so so i was absolutely hooked with it we uh you know i hunted you know traditionally for a lot of years until about 10 years ago and we uh i teamed up with good friend chancy walters and actually we had banned turkeys in the past but we thought we would take it to a whole new level and actually go out and be more aggressive even than banning and take like a full-bodied bird we flocked the bird chancy was an artist he, he we put feathers on this thing and we went and started challenging these birds and that's when man versus turkey was filmed in southern Iowa and once I did that I was absolutely hooked on turkey reaping from that day and that's kind of you know a little bit about me and how everything got started. Yeah and tell me about when that was what year? Well th this is spring of 2016 that was the first spring that we it was 10 years ago so it would have been 2006 was the first spring okay. when we actually filmed the man versus turkey. Yeah okay that's pretty cool. So tell us what turkey reaping or turkey fanning is. Well, I think that there's a huge difference in the difference between fanning and reaping. Fanning uh, is a tactic where, you know, you'll use a train and stuff in your advantage and you will fan a turkey and show them a fan. Fanning does not finish turkeys like turkey reaping. When, you, when you're turkey reaping, you want to use like a, a, a decoy that's flocked with real feathers, has a head, looks realistic, and you continue to go at them and you challenge them. Some birds are different, but you'll get a lot more aggression out of a bird by reaping him and actually moving more advanced 
focusing more on him with, you know, a, a more of a real, realistic look-alike decoy that's got a head and a real fan, and that movement and the reaping and challenging him is what, you know, I think is the big difference, and it actually gets a, a lot more reaction out of the bird and a lot more aggressive action. We're, we're shooting birds at point-blank range when fanning them, you know, most of the time you're shooting them at 15 yards, 20 yards, 25. It's very effective, fanning is, but uh, I just like the adrenaline rush of actually the bird coming in and wanting to fight. Yeah. Turkey reaping all the way. Well, tell me, is there a time when reaping works better? You know, this year, I kind of learned, every year I keep learning more and more. I feel that there's there's definitely better times. I like the times when you got, you know, one or two or three gobblers out in the field and they've got some hens and stuff out there. And everybody knows at turkey hunts that turkeys are very, very territorial and protective. And basically, with that being said, if you can get into their zone, I call it their dance floor. If you can get into, you know, them them areas, you're actually getting out there and they they just can't take it. And when you're, you know, moving into their area, they're going to come to investigate. And most of the time they're coming to fight. Okay, so what would you say that that area is? How, what kind of distance? Every bird different. I've seen them break out a strut and come from three, four hundred yards. Sometimes you got to get, you know, right up in there, 50, 60 yards from them before they're going to challenge you. I've also had birds, let's say, for instance, on the man versus turkey video that everyone can go to uh, YouTube and watch. It's man versus turkey. That bird was trying to actually push his hens away. He was like herding them. And finally, Chancey got down in there and actually got into that bird's zone, probably, I'm guessing, 35, 40 yards, and he broke out a strut and come charging his shot him at two two three feet wow now do you think that it works with just as well with a subordinate bird as it does a dominant bird what i mean are there i i really feel that it, it still works it's very very effective sometimes you just got to take a different approach and you may not get that bird the first day he may work away from you but if you take the right approach at a bird and you're not over aggressive at him even if it's a subordinate bird you're going to still have an opportunity to get within a, a really really effective shooting range of a lot of these turkeys with that being said yeah i do have i've had turkeys i've seen turkeys that have actually drop strut and just take off and Mm -hmm. with that being said you know they've probably been beat up by another turkey or something you know a day before or whatever the case may be or there's some aggressive jakes in the area that keep you know harassing them and chasing them off and they just they're just there's some birds that just don't want to fight yeah yeah so you mentioned jakes do you have you tried using a jake decoy like a strutter jake decoy and if you have is that more effective than using a a full tail fan and a gobbler i'll be honest with you i personally have always used a full fan i have had team members that try jake jake fan i don't think it necessarily makes that big of a difference i think if the bird is going to you know commit and is going to play the game he's going to come to a jake fan or a real fan or a a full fan and with that being said i i think it's either way jake or gobblers because jake's jake's still come we still read jake all the time and i mean they'll challenge and come right up in there and so yeah so if they're going to fight they're going to fight they don't care who it is that's correct who they're fighting okay all right and are there times when reaping does not work as effectively as others I think that, you know, there there might be certain times I cannot really identify them times unless it's a bird, you know, that I've actually tried to reap on a couple times and okay. just hasn't played. Because what I've noticed, I mean, you can go into a, a field one day and the bird works away. The next day, I mean, he's fired up and he's going to come and challenge. Okay. So 
really then I mean we just need to try it on the bird. There's, you know, so if we see a solo bird out in the field, that's not necessarily a bad time or a good time. It's just, you know, if there's no other way to, to get him or call him in, then try it and see if it works. Huh? Right. Sometimes with like a solo bird, you know, that's out in the field all by itself, a lot of times them are the birds that'll spot you from two or 300 yards away and they'll just come cruising right in. They'll run right into, because sometimes, you know, they're thinking, well, it's another turkey. I'll just go hang out with him or whatever the case may be. So sometimes it actually it works really, really effective, you know, when there's a bird out there by itself. But the ones that I have the most luck with, it seems like, like I was saying, are have a couple hens with them or, you know, a flock of hens and a couple gobblers or a single gobbler that are protecting their hens, and they get more aggressive, it seems like, then. Yeah, so if they've got some girls around them, it gives them more reason to fight. Right. Okay. And now you mentioned that you found that an actual gobbler decoy works better than just a fan. Why do you think that is? Well, I believe that the fan works fine. I like something that's got actually a head, a hand, and real feathers. And the reason being is, first off, I strongly believe, you know, with the iridescent colors of the turkey feather and everything, that they really, really focus in on that. And they can also see that head. If you have a really good, realistic-looking head on your decoy, that's another thing that I think that that gobbler focuses in on. And as they get angry, you know, their head change colors and, you know, and, you know, when they're challenging. So I think a head's very important, and I think, you know, your real feathers because of the the sunlight and the the reflection off of the the feather. So with that being said, the fan, you know, like I said, works very, very well. I just don't feel that they're going to, you know, that you're going to shoot a lot of turkeys any closer than like 10, 15 yards. I think they get to a point and they hold up. Okay, so they're looking for the rest of that bird before they're going to commit to come on in, basically. And I'm not saying it's like that always. You might get a bird that runs into a fan right up to them because you can turn the fan around backwards, and, you know, they're not going to know the difference. But most of the time, I fanned a lot of birds before we actually reaped. Most of the time, I was shooting them birds, and it might have been because I, you know, wasn't letting them get on in there. But most of the time, I was shooting them. They were holding up and shooting them at, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards, 25 yards. Okay. Do you think there's a time of the season when it works better than another time, early or mid or late? This was the first year that I I thought late season was a little slower, but most of the time it's very effective throughout the whole seasons for me in all the states that we hunt. And this year I thought late season the birds didn't, you know, work quite as well. But then on the very last day we had a really off hunt. So Okay. All right. Is this something that's going to work pretty much any time of day, any time we can catch a bird out in the field? I think it works any time that you can catch a bird in the right spot, for sure. Cool. Okay. So we talked about the controversy that's going around this, and really I think the controversy stems from the safety part of reaping. And, well, I can't say safety part of it. I should say the the extra chance of being mistaken for a turkey because you've got a turkey decoy in front of you or a turkey fan in front of you and you're presenting it to a turkey and a lot of times you don't know if there's another hunter around so and some people are going to say well that's not turkey hunting because you're not calling and you're not doing this and i know that you make a distinction between reaping and hunting but it's a strategy used when turkey hunting so i'm i'm going to throw it in there do you Well, I guess I'm going to say this first. We're all hunters, and we've got to stick together. And whether someone's reaping or fanning or they're sitting in a blind shooting a turkey with a bow or they're fall turkey hunting, no matter what it is, I am 
not going to bash that person online or in public. As long as they're following the laws that are out there, the game laws, then I say knock yourself out. Just because somebody uses a different method of taking a wild turkey than I use doesn't mean that it's less sporting. And it doesn't mean that that person is not a sportsman. And so as long as it's a legal tactic, then I don't have an issue with it. So I'm throwing that out there. This is a topic that reaping and fanning are topics that need to be covered because they are gaining more popularity. And the videos are all over YouTube and all over the Internet. And they're very exciting ways of taking a turkey that a lot of times is not killable any other way. And so. I felt like I needed to cover it, not necessarily today, but I felt like I needed to cover the topic. And especially with it being something that I have done in the past, when at first I was skeptical of the safety part of it. So to help us with the safety issue, Jeremy, can you share some reaping or fanning safety tips with us? Yes, I can, Andy. I think that you covered things really, really well there. I do believe, you know, when it comes to safety with this, you know, when we started this, it was basically intended, we we intend on everybody, you know, staying out in the open, knowing your surroundings, knowing, you know, what's around you, the terrain that you use to actually sneak up on the bird before you actually get out there and start presenting the fan or the reaper decoy, whatever the case may be, you know, the, the as a hunter, it's our job to know where we're at, know our surroundings, and be careful. And this is not a tactic that I would recommend going out on public land and hunting, you know, a turkey this way. Have I done it? Yes, I have. But I know the public ground, it was in the open. I've actually shot multiple birds on public ground. I'm not supporting that or telling somebody to actually go and do that. But it's basically, you know, knowing where you're at and what's around you when you're hunting this way. And You know, you can hit on safety and talk about it for hours when it comes to this. As far as I know, to this point, there has not been any injury or any accidents in, you know, involving turkey reading. As a turkey hunter in traditional setting, you know, I even learned as a young kid in that class, you know, setting up for birds, you know, always calling turkeys up to the top of the ridge or, you know, try to get up high above them and bring them up in certain areas. I think as a turkey hunter and as a traditional style turkey hunter and, you know, hunting that way for a lot of years before starting to reap and stuff, and I still continue to actually call birds in every year because I'll take disabled people that are not able to reap or whatever the case may be, so we're setting up and actually calling birds in still too. I think, you know, learning, you know, that and actually having a couple buddies that have been in hunting accidents, you know, setting up on logging roads and setting decoys out in front of you and having somebody come to your call. And actually, when you're making you know, real turkey sounds and you, you're you actually other hunters are honing in on you. And then just say you're setting behind your decoys and they shoot, shoot at your decoy, not knowing, and you're behind them and you get shot. I had a really good friend that happened. And so I think as a hunter, you know, I think hunters put themselves in unsafe situations. So with that being said, it's always important when you're out there turkey, know your surroundings, know where you're at, you know, if keep it out in the open. Very important. Mm-hmm. It, this is something I would not recommend running around the woods, reaping turkeys and calling and stuff. You're setting yourself up for an accident. And I think, you know, since we've started this, we've made that really clear and it's just pretty much cut and dry. As a hunter, if you put yourself in a dangerous situation, a dangerous situation can turn, you know, to a fatal accident in the blink of an eye. So always, always know what you're doing, know when and where and everything about the surroundings and around you. And I think that being said, 
that you're you're going to be fine. The only thing that worries me, like in South Dakota, and there's a couple states that you can use rifle, and you got people that drive around on the road and are shooting, you know, rifles at turkeys. That's a really big concern. That's where I could see an accident happening because if you're behind a decoy with a real fan and a head, it looks really it's, it's it looks real. Mm. Out in the field, another hunter actually shooting you when you're trying to reap. I really see that being unrealistic. Unless I mean, it would have to be I don't know a real. I don't even know what to say about that. I don't even. First off, I don't even. You know, I think about it every day I go in the field. But at the same time, I don't see how that could ever play out and ever happen. Right. If you know what I mean. I mean. I do. Yeah. And that my first time. And actually, we didn't reap. We fanned. But my first time to do it in Ohio. It was a, a pretty unique situation in that there were two vehicles in our party. We're riding paved road going from one farm to another farm, and we just happened to be driving by a farm that our outfitter had permission to hunt. And there's six or seven jakes and three longbeards in a group by themselves in a field that was on the edge of the paved road. And there was someone in a vehicle that had pulled into the driveway that runs into that field, into the two-track that runs into that field. And they had stopped, and we pulled up in behind them, chatted with them. They were going up to the top of the hill on the other end of the field to do some work in the cemetery that was up there. It's a family cemetery, and they were going up there to do some work. And they were waiting on another vehicle of people to come help them. Who The people in that second vehicle were going up to the cemetery to help them. So there we are with two vehicles in our party, two vehicles in the party going to work on the cemetery, and I'd have to stop for a second and count in my head how many people there were, but it was close to double digits. It was the number of people that were standing out on the side of the paved road when this hunt went down. And so I felt extremely comfortable knowing that out of 20 eyeballs, roughly, that if there was anyone along the perimeter of this field where this turkey was, who was hunting or trying to slip up on these turkeys, that they were going to see that person putting a stalk on these turkeys out in the field. So I felt comfortable with the opportunity that presented itself for us to fan these turkeys. And we ended up doing that and we got to the edge of the fence that went around this field that the gobblers were in. The gobblers had gone off about 200 yards and were at the edge of the woods about to go into the woods because they didn't like all the activity with all the people standing around watching this go down. When finally they saw the fan and it was interesting because I'm watching these turkeys through my binoculars. My buddy has the turkey fan in front of him and he's directly in front of me and he's moving that fan around and I watched those turkeys and watched their head change colors and their necks change colors and I knew at that point that we had their interest and they turned and came on in and we both took turkeys we doubled and yeah I think you I think us as hunters know when a situation stinks to high heaven and we know when an opportunity presents itself for us to do something that may turn the table on a hunt and help us fill a tag out. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. That opportunity in Ohio made me comfortable with something that I was uncomfortable with prior to because I'd never experienced it. I hunt in hardwoods and and pine timber. I can't imagine putting a fan in front of me in the woods and trying to, to crawl up on a turkey. That just is not even something that makes sense to me. 
but out in a big open field, I can see where it makes total sense. And again, what you said, South Dakota, Texas is another one, unless they've changed it from when I was there last, where you could hunt with a rifle. Uh, not something that I would try. would not try reaping an estate like that. And again, public land. You know, I can see some pieces of public land if you're in North Dakota or Nebraska or someplace that doesn't allow rifle hunting where you could probably do something like this and get away with it. But, you know, you're much safer on private land. You're much, much, much safer in an area that doesn't allow or in a state that doesn't allow turkey hunting with a rifle. And so, yeah, again, this is kind of a sensitive subject because I've done it and I can't really tell people don't do it because it works, but be smart about it and be extremely careful. And if you've got a hunting buddy or two and you can keep somebody there looking and watching the field and watching the surroundings, I think it helps to make things a little bit safer as well. So, and to address the people who say this is not really hunting, I don't believe that's accurate. I think that it is physically challenging and you try belly crawling for 300 yards on a flock of turkeys. You know, it's just like people tell me, oh, you know, you stalk up on a turkey that's out in the field and pop your head up out of a creek bank and shoot him. That's not very sporting. Well, I'm beating the best eyeballs in the woods at their own game. And I'll tell you, I challenge anybody out there to stalk on a turkey and tell me it's not challenging. It's not the way that maybe that particular person hunts them but that does not make it less challenging. Shooting them out of a pickup truck, now that's not challenging. So different story altogether. But yeah, I think it's something that everyone kind of needs to keep in their back pocket. If you do live in a state like Jeremy of Iowa, where you've got a lot of ag fields and you can do this safely, uh, there's no question it's an effective tactic. Can I say something real quick, Andy? Please, please, yes. Uh, On the safety, you know, let's touch on that just a little bit more. I developed a decoy, a Mojo Scoot Shoot, that's available through Mojo. I designed that decoy a few years back and hunted with it all over the Midwest and everything. One thing that that decoy comes with, and I've hunted, I've had multiple hunts, it comes with orange flag flagging that goes on the wings. That doesn't, it doesn't even seem to bother the turkey. We're talking bright orange, you know, and it, yeah. they still come right on in and challenge. And that was just, that's a really key thing. So if somebody sees a turkey that's got, you know, your hunter's orange on a decoy and they're still shooting at it, you know, obviously they shouldn't be hunting. But exactly. that was just another safety thing because I've, I've used the orange on, you know, all of my decoys to see how it would, how a turkey it would affect or how it would respond. It doesn't seem to bother them. Once they get in that mindset that they're coming, they're actually, they're, it doesn't matter. I think that you can have half of it painted orange. But, and as everyone knows, if lots follow the turkey, we dress up in, you know, different costumes and suits and stuff. And, and that doesn't seem to bother them either. They just get so tunnel visioned in on the actual decoy that that's what they're focused on. So, but that being said, and then the other thing that you were touching on that I really like, and I just wanted to share, you know, every there's there's people that quit turkey hunting every single year because they just, they absolutely have been hunting. You know, they've been hunting for four or five years. They've not even had an opportunity of turkey. They'll call at them. They turn and go the other way, whatever the case may be. They may have a really, really good property also. They, they might have one of the best turkey hunting properties to hunt. And they get frustrated and they get burnt out, getting up early in the morning, going out, not getting an opportunity. Pretty soon they quit hunting. You can take this 
this tactic is just another tactic, another piece to the arsenal, piece to the puzzle, whatever you want to look at it. And if the call's not working, you can grab your reaping decoy and you can sneak out into the field and challenge this bird that's out there that you'd already tried to hunt three or four mornings and there's always one other way. And guess what? There's probably about an 80 to 90% chance that that bird is going to come in and you're going to have an opportunity at harvesting your first turkey. And this, this tactic is definitely going to, you know, it definitely changed, you know, how people feel on turkey hunting, good and bad. But I do believe for the people that struggled not getting, not being able to harvest a bird by, you know, calling methods and stuff, this is actually going to help get more people involved and get more people into the field and actually get them back into turkey hunting. Yeah, it is exciting, no doubt about it. So, Jeremy, tell us the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and one or two of the things that helped to make that hunt a success, or if you were reaping, tell us kind of the scenario and why you think that reaping works so well in that certain scenario. Right. Well, first off, I'd like to say, you know, I'm very proud of of what we've accomplished here at Turkey Reapers. I'm very proud of my team. And one of the, every time I go into the field, I look at every hunt as a success, whether we didn't harvest a bird, whatever the case may be. I'm very proud of my team. They work hard. We get a lot of youth involved in the outdoors and actually getting them and, you know, taking them turkey hunting and whatever the case may be. Like I said, every hunt is a sesame, whether we don't get a shot opportunity, whatever the case may be, because I learn every time that I'm going out to challenge a bird, call a bird in, whatever the case may be. If as a hunter, I really pay attention and evaluate, you know, the situation and what's going on. So every time I'm in the field, every hunt, like I said, it's a test. So with that being said, the last day of the season, I have a young man in my neighborhood, never harvested a turkey, harvested his first year with me this last fall. So his dad asked me, we finally worked out where we could get together and actually go hunting. Well, Mm -hmm. they met me down in southern Iowa at the lake. It was really, really windy that day. So we were having trouble finding birds that were out in the open field. So I started, you know, looking in some areas that out of the wind, calling, seeing if I could strike one up, whatever the case may be. I mean, we hunted our tails off. We ran around all over the lake looking for birds. And then we started going to a lot of my, my private permission areas just going all over covering lots and lots of ground well we were it was getting down to crunch time this young man had to be back home and he uh said well we're gonna have to head back towards des moines i live in west des moines iowa like i said and so we're heading back and i said just follow me we might come across the birds and if we do we'll try them and well we get almost three quarters of the way home down in warren county south of polk county where i live and Sure enough, four big old strutters and a couple hens. This is the very last day of the season. And I used to be able to hunt the property. So what I did, I said I hadn't talked to the, the farmer for a couple years. I, I said, you guys wait here. And I ran back up to the house. Farmer gave me permission to take this young man in there. Well, at any rate, we're waiting down the creek. Ryder is a young boy's name, and he's having a ball. You know, I mean, he's liking, you know, wading through the water and everything. So that was cool. And we get out there, and, you know, I'm starting to present his dad was with us you know so this is exciting not only for Ryder very exciting for his dad exciting for Mm -hmm. me he was the the 27th kid that I had taken turkey hunting last year and so any rate we're we're coming out and there's like we come up out of the the creek which it was a a bigger creek and we get out on the edge and it was like set aside before it went out into the crop field well we couldn't even get out to the edge of the the crop field before one of these toms broke off and actually headed our way and this Mm -hmm. turkey he come literally right up within you know a yard yard and a half from us 
and wow. Ryder's little heart was, I mean, I could just feel his heart just beating as the turkey got closer from like 10 yards to that last right when he shot. And, you know, he, he's not had a lot of experience, you know, living in town and not getting to shoot a lot. Well, he took the shot. The turkey was in full strut and actually he shot high and he said, did I get him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, he's right there. And the turkey just ran over a little bit. And know that, you know, when you're shooting a gun at a yard, yard and a half, it doesn't matter if it has a modified, a proof zone, or whatever the case may be, you're shooting like a golf ball with that turkey. So, you know, so he, he missed a turkey. I got the gun pump, and he got back on it and shot at him again and missed him again. But what was so cool, and I'll always remember this, is the rider was so happy. He was so tickled. He, and he, he looked at me, and he goes, I'll never, ever get that close to a turkey again, will I, Jeremy? <laughs> I said, only if you hunt with me, buddy. And so I said, do you see that, rider? And he's like, what, what? I said, do you see that laying on the ground? And he, uh, he blew three of the turkey's tail feathers off. And he ran over and he picked them up and he, like, that was his trophy. He took yeah. them feathers to school, to show and tell. He uh, has them, you know, sitting in his room on his dresser. And just to see the excitement and stuff out of a kid and that reaction and just what them three feathers mean to him is second to none to me. So that, you know, being the last day of the season and that, you know, it's just priceless to see that reaction yeah. and that with a kid. So that's probably one of the, you know, that's my latest, greatest hunt. I had a lot of late, or a lot of great hunts this year, though, too. So Yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. So tell us what you've got going on at turkeyreapers.com. And, you know, if someone has a question for you or wants to get in touch with you, how can they go about that? Yeah, we have a great Facebook page ran by Nate Rope. He's one of the guys on my team. Anybody can leave messages or ask questions there. Actually, my phone number is on there also if you want to call and talk. I love chatting with people about turkey reaping and hunting in general. That's what I love to do. So feel free to actually give me a call. We have a lot going on. You know, we have, like I said, we have a great team. We're working on actually starting a nonprofit for youth and uh, it's going to involve, you know, hunting and uh, also fundamentals of sports and really excited about that and turkey hunting is definitely going to be a big part of that and the turkey reaping and we also have our new decoy that's going to be available some next spring probably before next spring probably going to start selling it this fall actually and really really excited about that and that's going to be able to be purchased you know through facebook our website www.turkeyreapers.com also at www.chasingtherut.com and it's second to none it's going to be one of the hottest decoys out there so really looking forward to that that's about it, I guess. Good deal. So, Jeremy, what are the odds of me being able to trick you into coming back onto the show to maybe do a whole episode on safety with us? No, Andy, I'd love to have that opportunity. You know, that's a that's one of the key points of this, and we want everybody to be educated in the safety issues. And you wouldn't be tricking or, you know, I would just, I would love to have that privilege. And whenever you want to do it, I'll be ready to ready to present my part. Okay. Why don't we try to do something like that maybe in January or February? And I think that would be really good. You know, it'd be a good reminder for everyone, period, whether you decide to reap or not. But I think if people are interested in reaping, it'd be a really good reminder for them to really be aware of their surroundings. And like you said, approaching that bird is one of the big keys. And I think we can get into that a lot more. And you know, again, I'm not trying to sell anyone on reaping. If they don't want to do it, that's fine and dandy. But, you know, it's being done. And I am always 
always trying to stress to people to be safe out there. And I think it'd be a great episode to have. So that'd be great. I'd love to get you on there and let's get something on the calendar. And do you typically go to the show to the convention in February in Nashville? You know, I haven't the last couple of years. We're probably looking at being there this year for sure. If we can get a good booth day. So that'd be another place for everybody to come and check us out and learn more. And so maybe we can meet up there. I'd, I'd actually like to meet you too, Randy. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd, I'd enjoy that myself. Good deal, Jeremy. Well, I appreciate your time. And I look forward to talking to you again sometime soon on the show. And if you do any fall hunting, I wish you some luck with some fall turkeys this year. I know you'll be chasing some big bucks. So wish for you sure. luck with that too. Yeah, just a couple of years ago, I actually had the opportunity to do a fall hunt, a fall turkey reef with uh, the Des Moines Register. And I'm pretty sure that a person can go back and find that article in the Des Moines Register on turkey reapers. And that it was two years ago in the fall. And it was a success. I shot a big old gobbler. I don't actually turkey hunt a lot in the fall because we're focused on taking the kids and the youngsters out, getting them involved, uh, chasing whitetail. And yeah. so I spend, you know, I start my fall out elk hunting and then back here taking kids and my wife. And so don't do a lot of fall turkey hunting, but it actually can be done, you know, and they will react to a decoy in the fall also. Cool. And a strutter decoy at that, huh? Yep. Very cool. Good deal. Jeremy, thank you again. I look forward to talking to you. Have a wonderful day and you be safe out there doing what you do. Thank you. I really appreciate Andy for this opportunity. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. All right. Goodbye. Okay. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Jeremy. You know, I really wanted this to be kind of an intro to turkey reaping. And truth be told, there's not a whole lot to the strategy. There are certain things that you can do to be more successful. There are certain situations where reaping works better than in other situations. But I wanted this to really be kind of a basics type of interview. So I hope you guys learned something today. I encourage you to go online and to look at some of Jeremy's videos on YouTube. So go to YouTube and type in Turkey Reapers. That's T-U-R-K-E-Y-R-E-A-P-E-R-S. And check out some of the videos. It's pretty crazy how aggressive these birds are and how close they are to the shooter in these videos. And so, as you can see, that's where the adrenaline rush and the excitement of reaping comes in. So, check out Jeremy on YouTube, check him out on Facebook, and if you have any questions for him, reach out to him. Before I cut you loose, I just want to ask you for four favors again. Number one, if you learned anything from today's show, please forward, like, and share the show on social media. That is extremely helpful. Number two, if you have not already, please subscribe to the show. Subscribing will ensure that you get notification of when a new episode is uploaded. Number three, please tell a hunting buddy about the show. Number four, be sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on 
hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.